0: Hello, Susanna here. We often hear the expression, a parent's worst nightmare. But what actually is the worst? You're about to find out in today's story. 2012 Scarlet Stiletto Winner by Josephine Pennicott, Shadows. And there are some very dark themes here. My grief lies all within. And these external manners of laments are merely shadows in the unseen grief that dwells with silence in the tortured soul. William Shakespeare. This is how it begins, an ordinary Saturday morning. Into the brilliant blue Sydney sky, a plane traces eternal James Mysterious words of white cloud skywriting. Familiar surroundings and routine cocoon you. But everything is about to shift, slice and fragment. Your taken for granted, pleasant life is about to change irrevocably. It begins with a shadow, with swans gliding on a river. With sunshine, light, words, books, and your own careless, unseeing eyes. You only have yourself to blame. Katie is laughing, twirling, holding her arms up to the sky, turning her face to the sun. Her front teeth are missing left to the tooth fairy in a satin pouch and exchanged for shiny dollar coins. You photograph Katie's face alive with radiant mischief, joy, missing teeth and youth. You freeze the moment and she mouths, I love you, mummy. You should suspect at this point that you are dreaming. Katie always stubbornly refused to call you Mummy. From the moment she could articulate her independence, she called you Beatrice and her father Steve. Both sets of grandparents were annoyed by this mannerism and cautioned about letting it continue. But Katie stubbornly maintained she should address you by your proper names. So when she called you... Mummy, in her childish voice, with her large serious child's eyes gleaming and a face filled with sunshine, you should have realised. And then you step to one side to photograph your shadow. You wait crying and the pain is waiting like a black heavy web. You lie in your darkened bedroom, feeling the brilliant blue sky of the dream still breathing next to you. Loss engulfs you in its enormous, cold, grave mouth. Steve's side of the bed is long empty. Somewhere across the city he wakes to a woman who was once your friend. But perhaps the same dream torments him too. Or does Katie only dance in the sunlight for you? You think I don't know about the dreams? You hear the early morning birds and the traffic on its peak hour crawl to work. Down the hallway of your double-storey terrace is an empty child's room with fairy pink walls containing seven years of sweetness, light and life. Shelves crammed with books. Baba, Miffy, Harry Potter, the Famous Five, fairy tales. Baskets loaded with little angel magazines. Barbies, Lego, craft materials and photos of friends. You had delighted in decorating the pink princess room together. On days when the pain is tolerable... You lie on her strawberry shortcake bed, closing your eyes, trying to feel her in the pinkness, smelling the sheets and pillowcase you will never wash, to hold on to the faintest traces of your daughter. One day you might pack up the room, but you couldn't face that now. It would be a a betrayal of Katie. And you're not one to give up easily, are you, Beatrice? Sometimes you hope you'll enter to find her sitting on the bed engrossed in a book or magazine. Even if the worst had transpired. But really, death is no longer the worst that can happen to Katie in your frightened heart, is it? A ghost child is preferable to no child. Ghosts at least carry memories and hope. There's pitiful consolation in silence and absence. This morning is particularly hard on you, I understand, Beatrice. I really do. It's June 11th, Katie's special day. It's been over a year since you photographed your shadow. The pain, shock, rage and grief doesn't lessen with the days, weeks and months. They worsen as the world revolves onwards. If there had been a body to mourn, it might have been different. But to contemplate the relief of your child's body being found, it's, it's too terrible a thought for any mother to bear. The sky outside the bedroom window turns a lighter shade of darkness. Soon the phone will ring. Katie won't be forgotten on her special day. Both sets of grandparents with slightly faded voices, as if Katie's passing had diminished them. An entire generation had now faded quicker. Than an Instagram fake retro photograph dissolving into time. Steve's parents had three other grandchildren, but they had collapsed when they first received the news. Your parents were more forthright in their blame. Why did you want to photograph your shadow? How could you take your eyes off her? Isn't it? A bit weird to want to photograph a shadow? Over and over, as if you had done it on purpose. As if you were to blame. As if you should have had your eyes fastened on Katie the entire time. Their self-righteous position hadn't surprised you. You were used to them blaming you for all manner of things. Steve's parents had folded. But yours wanted instant answers, a solution and a culprit. They demanded a detective novel scenario with The Predator sorted out tidily by the book's conclusion. Not the mangled Ferris wheel of police statements, intrusive journalists, well-meaning friends and horrified family. Real life is so much bleaker, bruised and pointless than detective fiction. I should know, shouldn't I Beatrice? I'm the mistress of bruised and bleeding. I've often toyed with writing crime fiction. I've had plenty of experience to offer an audience eager to escape into the suffering and deaths of others. But would I be able to provide a happy ending to satisfy them. Real life doesn't end so neatly for us. We're all hanging on grimly, waiting for our termination and the deaths of our loved ones. We want natural order when it comes to death. We just hope we die before our children. Oh, Sorry Beatrice, I'm getting morbid and boring. The morning birds must be sounding outside your window. Kookaburras with their jeering, triumphant call. I know what their cry is like as they echo inside my belly. I also feel triumphant and strong, for I've won. It's over a year and I alone know the truth about Katie and her fate. I know exactly what you will do today, dear Beatrice. I know it even before you know. As if we're joined together in our separate beds, sharing the same nightmares. We are both threads of my sticky web, Beatrice. I know where you will go this morning, my juicy fly. You will walk to the park by the river near your lovely home as mist hangs over the city on this chilly day. You will wear the dark glasses you will always wear now and you will stroll to the little park where you last saw your daughter playing over a year ago. You will recall the photographs you took of your laughing, beautiful girl But I have much better photographs of dear Katie Beatrice. I would enjoy sitting with you one day, perhaps in Novak's cafe, which you often frequent. We could examine the photographs together. I believe they are rather artistic, immodest of me I know, although I did have an excellent subject. I can already smell your movements today, Beatrice. I know the direction your thoughts will travel because we're so connected without you realising. Your thoughts have become mine. You'll remember the moment you stepped sideways to photograph your shadow a year ago. Oh yes, I I read the entire account in the paper and magazine articles many times. You're such an artistic, eloquent woman, Beatrice. A true renaissance soul. I understand your need to photograph illusions, shadows and spaces. I admire that need, Beatrice, even if your parents don't. Those fools who criticised you for not being more alert. The months-long debate the media whipped up about helicopter parenting. Oh, it was all really shameful. This year, as I've watched you navigate, the worst nightmare of any parent. Not my quote, by the way. The papers again. Don't you just shudder at their clichés, Beatrice? I know you'd create more entertaining taglines. You only have to see you to realise how intelligent, stylish and creative you are. Steve had no business taking off with that tart, did he? But I don't like to think about them, Beatrice. He should have stayed with you, but we both know he wasn't worthy. I stored the coverage about Katie's abduction with my special clippings. Your account was so moving. How you took your eyes off her for only a second, snapped the photo of your shadow, and when you turned back, she had vanished. You thought she was playing hide-and-seek in that tiny park. It was a, a few moments before true terror began to sprout its dark growth, between your increasingly frenzied calls. Katie! Katie, answer me! Where are you, Katie? You described terror so well. I experienced your panic as I relived how you approached strangers, begging them if if they had seen a little girl. A man with his son playing with a soccer ball thought he had seen her heading towards the road. I remember that soccer ball meathead, and I wasn't surprised he'd given misleading information. He'd failed to notice me right behind him. The clod was all brawn. His soccer ball had more brain. And I still ruminate over that strange Indian chap you described running towards you, the one who held his arm out and smiled as you pleaded with him to say if he had seen your little girl. Not today, my dear, but it will come all right another day, was his cryptic reply. Now that was intriguing. I don't remember him at all. But I was rushing, pushing Katie along as we squealed together about the trick we were playing and how delighted you would be. The Indian man brought me out in sweats for weeks, thinking he would be an eyewitness against me. But nothing more was reported, and I knew I was safe. You described the young mother with the pram, well, I had long left by the stage, who hugged you and lent you her mobile phone to call the police. Not the best day to leave your phone at home, was it, Beatrice? Your oversight gave me extra time to escape. But the print reports couldn't equal the delight of seeing you and Steve making your appeals on television. I recorded them and memorised every word, every heartfelt plea. I knew you were speaking directly to me. It was so touching and significant to be close to you in that way. You've no idea of what it meant to me. I'm rushing to get ready to prepare myself because this day I want to be close to you, Beatrice. I want to be as close to you as I was a year ago. I know it's dangerous, foolhardy and not the sort of risk I'm normally prepared to take, but it paid off for me last year, didn't it? I seized the moment in that impulsive action in front of all those witnesses. If you could call the meathead and the enigmatic Indian chap witnesses, men wouldn't notice what was right under their nose. Lucky for me. I'm proud of myself that I wasn't observed, though I realise there's a shadow side to that truth. We always return to shadows, don't we Beatrice? What is that William Shakespeare quote? You would know it by heart, but I shall have to look it up later. No time for improving my education on our special day. I want to look my best for you. Even through your grief, you're still the most beautiful woman in this area. I value good looks in others, as I was never over-blessed in that department. At school they called me the Runt. There's a hint of how others perceive me. Katie inherited good looks from you and Steve. But my father was a bore, Beatrice, and my mother a sow, so I inherited only snout, smell and fangs. I'm trying hard to be artistic and think metaphorically like you, Beatrice. I do hope you appreciate that little touch. I follow all the advice on your photography website. I leave comments on it occasionally for you as Anon. That name seems to suit me. You refused to add me to your Facebook page, and so I needed to make some small connection with you. Silly, isn't it? When we live so near each other that I have to resort to the internet. What does that tell you about modern life, Beatrice? I'll tell you what it says to me. Oink! 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 It's a beautiful winter's day, a day most Sydney Sydneysiders would call rubbish because the sun isn't blazing. I walk along the river and admire the black swans. Swans are such interesting birds. They mate for life and have incredible devotion. Steve could learn a lot from them, couldn't he, Beatrice? I know I keep going on about it, but he had no right to abandon you in the middle of your worst nightmare. Despite the swans' apparent gentleness and beauty, they are vicious killers at heart. Did you know that, Beatrice? You can learn a lot about humans from nature. Here's a couple of facts you might find of interest. I hope you don't think I'm showing off or being presumptuous, but I've learnt so much from you. The male swan is the only known male bird to have a penis. Imagine that, Beatrice. He's a devoted father and husband. If he feels his family is threatened, he attacks using the knuckle bone of his wing. The blow from his beautiful wing is powerful enough to break a man's arm. Don't you find nature so inspiring, Beatrice? Their violence and beauty coexist in such truthful harmony. In our so called civilization, The foulest deeds are committed for such petty reasons, but there's a logical pattern in wildlife behaviour that mankind lacks. The sky is silver-steel grey with some black clouds looming. The river is full because of all the recent rainfall, a record Sydney rainfall for this time of year. I wonder if you believe in climate change? as I watched the rushing river, feeling soothed by the sound. There's an abundance of ducks, swans, pelicans, magpies and moorhens, but only a few people, just like this time last year, which suits my purpose. And just like last year, I parked my car in the library car park down the road. I had been at the library this morning last year and hadn't intended on taking a river stroll but then I spotted you and Katie and changed my plans. You didn't see me. You were busy helping Katie select a book. There was quite a scene if I remember. Katie wanted a teen book you didn't approve of and you were encouraging her to select something more age appropriate. Katie won but then She often did with the pair of you. She didn't with me, Beatrice. I set more boundaries than you ever did. I know it's not fashionable to say it, but spare the rod and spoil the child. You were wearing a beautiful skirt from the fashionable Japanese shop in High Street. I saved for months to buy a similar outfit. And you wore a black shirt with boots, but you always looked so Chic. Katie was wearing a black top too with a pretty floral skirt over black track pants. She had been swimming and her hair was still damp. I had selected a few interesting books to read. I'm trying to improve my general knowledge. Not enough people care about that these days. It's unfashionable to say you're trying to improve yourself now. All our celebrities boast about how dumb they are. You, of course, had a few architectural design books, a cookbook, a Swedish crime novel, and an English mystery with the most lurid cover, The Body in the Library. That must have been for Steve. I couldn't imagine you being interested in that sort of thing. I saw you reading a book in Novak's once, Beatrice. Some old classic with a beautiful cover, a a vintage wallpaper design. After you left, I was brazen enough to ask the waitress what you'd been reading. She had no idea and clearly thought I was a nut for asking. Luckily, her friend at the till recognised the novel, Someone at a Distance by Dorothy Whipple, in a classic Persephone edition. I ordered all the Persephones I could afford after discovering you liked them. I feel so much joy and pride in my collection, Beatrice. I fondle their spines and elegantly decorated covers, thinking of you doing the same only a few houses away. The words connect our lives in shining threads. The sentences make some sort of meaning out of the nightmare we've been through. You don't know how it feels so orderly and right that we should share the same things. I bought so many books from the Folio Society and also from our local bookshop, Bookworm Lair, thanks to my snooping on your reading habits. Alas, you have expensive tastes and I'm not sure I can always keep up with you. But in the library a year ago, I had no idea our collections were about to become so similar. And I don't just mean buying the body in the library and Swedish crime novels. That little girl scowling at me was about to become part of my other collection. Yes, unlike her mother, Katie noticed me in the library. Later, she said, she recognised me straight away. Children and swans are so much more observant. It's odd that not many people think to ask them the right questions. I can hear my breath rattling, dislodging some foul odour inside me. It comes out at times and embarrasses me, as if the... Secrets and memories inside are contaminating my my cells. That's a fanciful thought, but I've had these fears all my life. They've been like bruises within. I press them tenderly, and dark and pus-filled ooze tries to soak my brain and make me think of things I don't want to remember. A couple pass me. I tense, worrying it could be Steve and his new tart but it's just another pair holding hands and laughing Good morning, they call Yes, as you well know, it's that sort of friendly inner city neighbourhood that everyone calls a village Good morning, I reply And my voice must sound normal and not the pus croak I expect as the woman says naturally and easily "Rivers full this morning? They pass, and I overhear the man say, I've often seen her down here. Mr Reynolds said her daughter drowned in this river, poor lady. They pass, and I'm forgotten. That's not unusual, Beatrice. Most people forget me when they pass. I am a non. I am memorable only for the death of a child but nobody could ever forget you. I watched the river marvelling at the shadows within it, the tales and stories it could tell, and the one river story I can never forget. You see how similar we are. The river sings the same dark song to us. My husband left me too, Beatrice. I never told you that before. He couldn't cope with Penny drowning. He blamed me because I wasn't paying attention at the time. I had the pram near the river. I was reading and it was a sunny day. When I woke, it was late afternoon and the pram had rolled. Someone must have released the brake, but he blamed me for it, as if I would forget the brake of my own child's pram. He accused me of always having my head in a book and not being interested in the real world. As if he knew what the real world was. At this spot, I've studied you doing exactly the same thing over the last year, Beatrice. I've thrilled as you've taken photographs of the same locations I've taken with my camera. I've learnt so much from you, Beatrice, and I've never had the chance to thank you. Bless you for noticing the shadows and hearing the river's dark tune. They dragged this river last year. Most of the neighbourhood offered to help, but were waved away. It was distressing for everyone. It upset the wildlife terribly with the disruption to their nests people have such little consideration for wildlife. We think we're the superior species but really Beatrice we're the main destroyer. I was one of those friendly village people who offered to help search for Katie. A young policewoman waved me away. She looked more like an actress playing a cop. They never found Katie's body in the river as everyone had feared. It took me a long time and a lot of money to disguise and soundproof the cellar in my house. I, I can't remember when I first began the project. My fantasy was one day a child would live there. Of course it wasn't as luxurious as her strawberry pink palace and didn't the little madam let me know it? "'Don't fret. I I don't put up with bad manners. "'I beat all the complaints out of her, "'and gradually I fixed the room to her satisfaction. "'I did the best I could with my meagre pay. "'You were exactly where I expected you to be, "'at the park near the river. "'But then I tensed at the unexpected sight "'of a young man with dark hair on the opposite bank.' I hadn't seen him before, a well-built and intense-looking man. Unlike other people, I do notice things and I watched with mounting apprehension as he spoke on his mobile. Anger was raging within me. I would hate to abandon my plan today on Katie's special day. I watched him warily, but he ignored me as he barked orders into his little machine. An Italian guy arguing with his lover, I surmised. He bored me already. I had long learnt to dismiss others before they rejected me. I began walking along the bank, savouring the memory of this time last year and and fingering the small gift I had for you in my pocket. This date is also the date of my daughter's drowning eight years ago. Quite a coincidence, isn't it, Beatrice? I realised it at once when I first met Katie and saw her admission record. Katie resembled how my penny would have looked if the pram hadn't gone into the river. My girl would also have been eight today if I had only looked up from the page at the right time. Today I'm carrying a copy of the book I had been reading that day. The book that engrossed me so much that my husband accused me of negligence. Luckily, the jury was divided. It's The Collector by John Fowles, one of my main inspirations for capturing Katie. Books can transform our world, can't they, Beatrice? They can take us to better places. And show us how life can be lived when we're merely shadows. Books reveal the truth of existence. They bring all our monsters gently into the light. They give flesh and form and substance to the shadows of our poor tragic theatre of life. With books, we are the audience, the writer and the book itself. We are no longer anon. We are active in the play. ha! Oh, imagination is a wonderful thing. I saw you and was taken aback for a second. You weren't wearing your usual dark glasses and Steve was with you. You wore a light trench coat and you were being assisted by Steve with his arm around you. He had the gall To touch you after all his rejection, after leaving you for that stupid girl. Why the hell was he touching you? Why would you let him touch you, Beatrice? Steve had no call to be here on this important date. I could hear the sound of a father playing ball with his son in the park. I felt disoriented as if some strange dream was being replayed. I moved towards you, which was idiotic, I admit. Steve being there had ruined all my plans. I wouldn't be able to give you the book. Coming towards me was the Indian man you had described from a year before. He headed straight at me and seemed to have some sympathy in his face. He must know about the drowning, I thought. Too many people still remembered it. I went to move past him, but he blocked my way and said gently, It will come right today. Looking back, I must have imagined that, because he continued walking quickly into the distance. I was drawn towards you, as I had imagined a million times. I knew I should leave, but I couldn't. I had to get you to see me. I walked towards you and you turned and looked at me with eyes filled with anguish. You had lost so much weight, Beatrice. I hate to say this, but your year of mourning had taken your looks. I didn't have looks to lose in my years of grief, Beatrice. There is consolation in being plain, although Katie has brought a beauty and and joy to my face with her innocence and light. I held out the book, hoping you would understand the message inside. The coded words meant only for you and me, our private language. The sentences as meaningful and meaningless as the sky writing in the clouds this day last year. I had to be quick as Katie would need to be fed. Her favourite television show would be starting and we loved to watch it together. We love to do everything together now. Mrs Godfrey, you said in a harsh voice. You did remember me. My elation made me more foolhardy. I had only been a junior teacher at Katie's preschool. I had no idea you would remember my name, which goes to show I did matter. I pushed the book into your hands. Steve was saying something, but his words were white noise behind your next shouted sentence. I still wake in agony that you could speak to me with such contempt. Where have you put her? You were holding on to me, screaming it repeatedly. Steve was restraining me, and the young Italian man at the riverbank was running towards us with the soccer father. Both were waving cards in the air. Police, they called, and hold her! It was all very dramatic and overblown, like a silly American television show. I knew he then it was over. I had known it from the moment I saw the expression on the Indian man as he passed. But I won't tell them where you are, Katie, and they still haven't worked it out. I've been interrogated for hours. Everyone is getting very angry and very panicky. Some of the psycho people speak very nicely and use all their tricks to try to connect to me. They think they're experts in shadows, but they just push me further where I need to be now. My mind has drifted to a river with its mumblings and gurglings. I'm always at peace when I meditate on the river. It took from me and gave to me. In the belly of terror, there is always an eye of silence and peace. If you can open your mind enough, I'm now following its blinking and its laneways because somewhere inside the river's stomach there is Penny waiting patiently. I follow the river's ripples and tune when the police, social workers and shadow experts ask their questions. I see a sodden baby's jacket and the face of my gorgeous Penny, surrounded by the black swans attacking her when they found her near their nest. My lips stay sealed. My memory is filled with swans and the majestic flapping of their wings as they beat to death all who threatened their young. The harsh snapping of beaks and the call of children as they play along the river bank half lost in shadows and trees memories and dreams their soothing voices they call to each other and the sound of a pram rushing towards the river as i lie drowsy and safe the flapping pages of a book flapping with the swan's wings the knucklebone wing Smashing the book's skull to pieces, and the precious words spilling out like ants escaping to form the meaning of my life, and ending my own Penny's life. The shadow experts try to get me to remember that moment, but all I see is the river. I look deep, deep into its depths. I don't see my reflection. I only see you, Beatrice. I only ever see your beautiful face smiling up at me. In every mirror, all I see is you. One last admission before I press the delete button, written under my false Facebook profile, on the laptop they have loaned me. The answers are all in the book if Beatrice only thinks to open it and read. Did she even take the collector with her? Or is it too lowbrow for Miss Beatrice smarty pants? On the end paper, I've drawn the map, revealed Katie's room, and where its entrance is concealed in the kitchen. The entire universe is hidden behind words, isn't it? If we have the curiosity and intelligence to care and follow their trail, we get our answers to this shadow play. Oh, you must be getting very hungry, my darling Katie. And we've missed our favourite show. Hopefully, they'll let me out of this cell soon. Delete. The End.